I'm Alyssa. I'm Alyssa. And I am not Alyssa. This is 52 Women, the official podcast of the Montgomery County, Maryland chapter of the National Organization for Women. Um, greetings, everyone. It is, we are recording on October 26th, and this week we're going to start off with um, going over some some kind of local MoCo happenings, um, starting with the kickoff for the Montgomery County Pride Center that the Alyssa's attended yesterday. Uh, yeah, so it was really fun. There was a party at Bar Louie, and right away, um, of course, I had to pee right away, so I went to the bathroom. <laughs> and uh, right away, there I saw that there were signs um, that all the bathrooms were any gender. Um, they kind of took over Bar Louie and just covered up their, their traditional male and female signs. And uh, I know everybody listening will be shocked to hear that nothing untoward happened. It was just normal bathroom going. <laughs> no children were no children were harmed in the process. Yeah, no. We must think about the children. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was really fun. We saw so many um, fun people we know, and then we saw we met a lot of new people, um, and we talked to them a little bit about what they're working on, and you know they're they're looking to find a space. Um, they're looking to raise money to to rent a space or find a space that's not as expensive where they can plan, um, that's safe where they can have programs. And um, one of the things that our friend uh, Gabe Acevedo was talking about was um, trans, uh, LGBTQIA youth um, homelessness in the state of Maryland. He was particularly talking about Baltimore, um, but it's it's a big problem and um, the kids aren't getting the support that they need. So hopefully that'll be one of the outreach arms of the center once it's established. But it was, it was just, it was a great event. It was really fun. Everybody's really enthusiastic and um, I don't know. I look, I, I hope we'll get to do more stuff with them. It was cool. Yeah. Uh, and then we also this week, <clears throat> Alyssa and I are, are so busy. Our social calendars are packed. Uh, on Monday, we ran a phone bank to Flip Virginia Blue. Our friend Jennifer Rand is a member of uh, the Women's Women's Excuse Me National Democratic Club. Uh, she was able to get a space for us to use um, in their beautiful building in Dupont Circle, and. Um, we ordered some pizzas, we phone banked, we wrote postcards. Um, it was great. It was a little disheartening. We were calling Pretty Deep Red Virginia. Um, and we were doing a woman-to-woman phone bank, so we had only only names of women. And, you know, just like anything else, they a lot of them didn't answer. When they did, it was often a man who answered, a husband, and often they wouldn't, the man who answered would not put his wife on the phone. Like, how did that, how did that go? Like, what, like, just, but just, I'm just asking out of curiosity, because, like, I got a phone call, and my dad's the other, well, I picked up the phone, and they were like, oh, is the lady of the house here? And I was like, well, there is no lady of the house. What yeah. can I help you with? Oh, then never mind. And they hung up, and I was like, oh, I mean. Probably wanted to sell you a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> It was, I mean, it, apparently it was, uh, it was, uh, breast cancer, uh, funding, it based, my dad said that based on this caller ID, but just like, what, did they say, like, no, you can't talk to her? Like, how did that, how did that work? Well, for mine, they were just, when I asked to speak to the woman, they were just like, who's calling? And then I would say what I was calling for, and they were just like, oh, well, she's not going to vote that way, or she's going to vote <sighs> this way. Or she doesn't want to talk to you. And I'm like, how do you know she doesn't want to talk to me? You don't know. You didn't ask her. Yeah, mine was um, one of the guys that I talked to. His, the wife was named Peggy. So I called and said, is Peggy there? She can't come to the phone right now. Can I take a message? And he said it like cutesy like that. And I said, um, well, I'm just calling from the Democratic you know, Party. We're trying to... Make sure that everybody in Virginia knows that there's a vote um, coming up, and you know, whatever. And mm-hmm. he said, "Well, we're not. Um, 
I, we don't vote because they're all crooks and criminals. And I was like, oh, those two words mean the same thing. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then he's like, and I was like, oh, well, I'm sorry to hear that. I hope that you'll find someone to vote for because, you know, it's a sacred right. And I hope you'll, you know, hope you'll take advantage of the fact that we can vote. And he said, yeah, I'm going to vote for myself because I'm the only one I trust. And I said, you don't even trust Peggy? Not even enough to put her on the phone? And he said, good night. And he hung up. Um, so it was like kind of like that. <laughs> um, somebody actually who was at Holly was there calling. And she had actually a couple good calls. But she made a really good point, which I hadn't thought of before. Like, which was... With absentee ballots, of course, I'm for as much voting access as possible. But she made a good point. Like, I, she was saying, like, I wonder if the men won't even let the wives get on the phone. Do they even let them get in the voting booth by themselves? Or do they just vote absentee and fill out both ballots? Yeah, I mean, I... Yeah. Go ahead, Alyssa, sorry. No, she was just shouting voter fraud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I... So... I'm going to say something, and I don't, and I, some of these men might be ass backwards and all that, but, like, some of them might be backwards and, like Holly said, preventing their wives from all that, but some of them might be just protecting their wives from telemarketers, or, like, we all get, like, calls, and I'm, like, I'm trying to think of, like, the number the times that I haven't picked up the phone because it's a number I don't know. Yeah, but that's, I think that's what you do, right? You screen the call. Well, and so here where we have a house phone, like, there's all these numbers and, like, I don't know what they are and where, like, my dad has all these people calling and whatever, like, that. So I'll pick up the phone and I'll immediately be like, oh, no, 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 no. So I think maybe... What Holly's saying could be true in some cases, but I I just hesitate being that extreme. But I like your your exchange. Like you don't trust Peggy enough to put her on the phone. <laughs> I like that. No, I mean I don't I don't think it's well. Yeah, I mean I don't think it's extreme. I mean I don't think they should like outlaw absentee voting. I just think it's no, I just think yeah. it's a good point that that might happen. <laughs> right, right. It might. Yeah. Um, and these guys were not like, oh, so sorry, I thought you were a whatever, or she doesn't want to talk. It was more like, no, you cannot talk to her. <laughs> um, and I'm sure, you know, we were calling a specific area, so we were self-selecting that kind of person, I guess. But That's true, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, it was it was good to feel like we had done something, and for I'm telling you, for a Monday night, we got a pretty good turnout, and... Those are the hardest calls to make. So, you know, it wasn't like a get out the vote call. It was calling to opposition, like to undecideds. Yeah. That was hard. You know, thank you all for doing that. Because maybe, you know, even if you like reached like one person, like that's important. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully it went okay. I mean, there were some people having good conversations, I thought. Um, Some of the women got targeted groups of people who were closer to their own age. And I think that helped, too. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah, when I got the people who were my own age, they didn't answer. Because <laughs> they screamed like I would, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, and actually that that's not a feminist conversation, but it is something that the DNC and other people are going to have to think about, is, like, people in our generation are not going to be reached by phone bank. No. No, but I think a lot of the, and that's fair, and I think, like, there's been a lot of, you guys have, like, doesn't Kamala Harris have, like, a text thing? Like, I think some other organizations, like, pick up on the, like, oh, we'll text you and all that and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, maybe the DNC should get behind that. Yeah, 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 something. I mean, I'm sure they do that also. It's just, it's interesting. Like, I, I don't know how much longer... You know what, like 20 more years and they won't be able to do that anymore. 20? Yeah. Well, I'm waiting for... I'm, well, some of these people are 65. They die when they're 85. Oh. I didn't really hear the first part of what you said. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying once, once our parents' generation is gone, then they won't phone bank anymore, I would think. Oh. Because no one will have a house phone. 
Yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah. We'll see. I'm, again, hashtag not a millennial. I have a house phone, but yes. I think you're right. Uh, I think they're going, I think they're going the way of the, of the, uh, of the rotary phone and phone booth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So anyway, that was, that was good and I'm glad we did it. Um, so we always kind of talk about news generally, um, which is good, but I think like so many people are getting their news by the time this comes out on a Sunday that like, unless it's something super pertinent or something we have a lot to say about, um, besides just reporting it and bitching about it, um, it's not, we don't need to, we don't need to always do that, I guess. So we, um, pastor, the three of us passed around an article this week, um, that Jenny Rose actually started, sent it to us, um, called Some of the Times I Didn't Consent. It's written by Hannah Kaiser, um, and it's a Deadspin article. Yeah, so it's on, um, it's on Deadspin, and it's on their sub-site called Adequate Man, which is a feminist podcast. I don't know how many people are familiar with Deadspin, which I don't mean that as a sexist statement. I just mean I don't know how many people read a sports blog by the former Gawker Media. I do it because I like uh, Drew Marguerite. But, um, yeah, the thing that jumped out at me is that this, the title of this article was on a site that is very is very man, like, geared towards men. And there are women who write for it, and there are women who comment, but I, the first thing that struck me was that this is written by a sports writer on a men's site. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, but basically, Hannah goes through all of these situations where, where she was just, in, in a situation, and she didn't think it was a big deal at the time because she was trying to fit in. She was trying to be one of the guys. She was trying to have friends. Like, she starts off with, when she was in high school, she let her guy friends shoot crumpled paper balls into her cleavage because she thought it made her cooler than other girls. She wanted people to sit with, and it was just silly. Like, it's, it's no problem. Like, it's fine. And then she talks about how... With, like, with a lot of these situations, like, later she thought about it, and it's like, it wasn't okay. And it even comes down to where she was hanging out with friends, and he had too much hookah, and he was lightheaded, so his friends encouraged her to take him home, and they were sleeping in the same bed, and he kept touching her, and she was like, no, I'm going to go, and she didn't go. And because he would stop and then every time he would start, it would escalate until he was on top of her. And she was like, I was scared. Like, he's much bigger than I am. And he didn't rape her, but it doesn't have to be rape for it to be awful. Um, And there are a lot of these situations in the article that she meant that she goes through, which she kind of tells it um, chronologically. So it gets to the point where she's a sports writer after college and... And she gets into the these situations, and I don't mean she put herself in the situation. I just mean she was in the situation with a male worker where similar things were happening, where they assumed she wanted to have sex with them, and they assumed that because she was there, it was okay, and it, it got awkward. And I don't believe, again, I don't believe it ever got to the point where she was raped, but there were a lot of sexual assault, sexually inappropriate scenarios that this one person went through. And she's basically outlining, I didn't consent to any of this. And in some cases, she specifically said, no, no, no. And it wasn't, it wasn't respected. So, you know, I think the three of us like read this article and could identify with a lot of pieces of it. I know I certainly could. Where, again, at the time, I went through some of these situations, and I didn't think it was a problem. Like, I, you know, I wanted to be the cool girl, and I didn't want to make a big deal out of it, even though it was uncomfortable. Like, we were all having a good time. Where now, I'm like, no. But what conversation we got into was, like, how do we, how do we stop this? Like, how do we, you know, it's, how do we tell society this isn't okay, and how do we start from a certain point where we raise our children or do whatever, where 
we have to stop like men thinking they are entitled to touch women's bodies. Well, I also think that she was having, um, I felt like she was, uh, I understand she's allowed to feel however she wants to feel. Let me say that. Yeah. But, uh, I felt like she was justifying the guy's behavior a little bit and, and blaming herself. Yeah, a lot of it. It yeah. wasn't a little bit. It was a lot of it. Yeah. And she, yeah, she was taking a lot of the blame for the way they were acting. She has the the classic victim mentality where she's almost putting it on herself where, well, I didn't say no and I didn't leave and I didn't do this when, well, you did say no and you did make it clear that you weren't comfortable and they didn't respect you. So I, I hear what you're saying that she was quote unquote justifying their behavior, but I think that's what some victims do yeah. because they blame themselves. Yeah, right? Yeah. Like, no, no, I totally agree. No, yeah, that yeah, that's exactly right. And I and I and I think um I don't know, a few a few things struck me. So one was the part about being just one of the guys. One was um, one, one was the part about her friend, the female friend who said, what did you expect when you invited him over? Oh God. Yeah. I read Yeah. And the, right. like just the right. concept of being a tease. So I think those are like two things that, that, I don't know. I think those are two really interesting things to talk about because does, with the, obviously with no saying from the beginning, no one deserves to be sexually assaulted. <laughs> But once we've said that, let's take taking that for granted. Um, I think those are two really interesting things to talk about. So, like the idea of being one of the guys, I I immediately thought I was one of the guys. I had tons of guy friends. I mean, I had female. I've always had women friends too. But like I had, or I had tons of guy friends. I knew a lot about sports. I could hang with drinking and whatever as I got older. Like, so I thought about myself as just one of the guys, but that was really a sexist thought for me to have. And I had it while I was reading this article, not like an old sexist thought I used to have, but like one I had just now reading this article this week, um, that those are not guy traits. I just, I automatically make those, put those things into the category of being guy-like. And I, I don't know. So, like, I, you know, the, the idea of just, uh, the idea of guys being one certain way and girls or women being one other way and that the way in is to, is to not just like sports and all these other things, but to be casual about how people touch you or how people treat your body or how people react to your body or talk about it, whatever, that those things would make you just one of the guys and more likable and everything. Yeah, and, uh, uh, right, and I don't think, uh, I have to say this because I just have to say it, but I was friends with a group of guys who didn't sexually assault me and didn't make me feel sexually uncomfortable or anything. Like, they, you know, none of that happened. So I don't think, I think it's important to say, like, this doesn't, like, you can, you can have, you can be friends with a guy and have him respect the fact that he's not going to put his hands, et cetera. You know what I mean? And I think yeah. she says that in some places, but I just felt the need to say that. Yeah, um, she, says, not she says her husband was her friend first, and the reason that she yeah. liked him was because he respected her boundaries. Right. See, I'm not hashtag not all menning, but I think it's important to say, like, that we don't think it's all, we, we you know, we, we, you know, right, and, well, and, and at the be- at the beginning of the article, she talks about how men are boys are socialized from a you know from a young age to um, believe that their job in life is conquest, and they're raised to be competitive, and then that as they get older, that becomes sexual conquest, and they get high fived for how often yep. they do it and the numbers they're racking up. Um, and I, I know men, lots of men who have grown up in that world who don't sexually assault women. So I, I get yeah. what she's saying that we socialize boys in a way. I get it. But also men are adults who are making choices. Right. And what I took from that is that 
kind of nurturing that culture when they're younger doesn't make it better when they get adults. Right. Yeah, absolutely That's, true. Yeah. Doesn't make it better when they get, and it doesn't make it, we need to, and not only do we need to be, you know, we always say we need the good men to call their, call their bros out, right? Like right. we need, we need our male allies to call their, call, call their bros out when they see them doing something stupid or doing something not okay. We also need to call our quote unquote sisters out yeah. when we hear them saying something like, well, you know, he invited you over. What did you expect to happen? Right. So she um, tells a story in this article where she, yeah. where she, uh, I'll just read that part. So she, um, she's at this guy's house or no, sorry. He's at her house. I'm sorry. Um, and the reason that he's at her house is that um, she's friends with him. She's broken up with her longtime boyfriend. Um, they make out a little, but she decides she doesn't want to anymore. And he wants to stay over. She says, okay, but let's just sleep. Um, and she says, every time I started to doze off, he would start touching me. Every time he did, I shifted further away, stupidly focused on how there would still be, how there would still be a friendship to salvage if we could only get through that night. Um, which is already like, I, I personally have felt that way before when a, a man or a boy, depending how old I was, was being too, was not respecting my boundaries. And all I was thinking about was like, how, if this is going to ruin our friendship, which is like obviously laughable now, like that I think about it. But anyway, um, when he climbed on top of me, his sheer weight shocked me into the realization that he wasn't the boy I'd known since middle school. I had to struggle to get him off of me. I stood up in the dark room and repeated over and over that I wanted him to leave. There wasn't an altercation, but there was enough of an argument that the moment he left, I ran into my roommate's room and told her a guy I knew tried to force me to have sex with him. What did you expect when you invited him over? She asked coolly. I thought she must have been right, but still, when he started calling me dozens of times in a row in the middle of the night, I never picked up. I stopped being able to sleep. I really hated this article. <laughs> like, I really did. I couldn't even finish reading it. Like, it was uncomfortable. Yeah. She, I don't know. I guess, like, what you're saying. She kept, like, she wanted so desperately to be friends with these people who were obviously not good people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I was just, like, could not swallow that. I, I couldn't. I, and, well, I think we, the context we had mentioned is that she talks about how, like, these situations seem to occur when she's somewhere where she has no other friends. Like, the situation Alyssa just described was when she transferred to a different college, and she only knew this one person, and that was, like, her lifeline to friends. And then the co-worker situation is when she moves to New York, and she works the night shift, so she doesn't necessarily have the opportunity to go out and meet other people. So it's it, it frustrated me where what you're saying, EB1, like, she was so desperate to hang on to these friends as, like, friends. But, like, at the same time, like, I understand why she did it. Yeah, I've. To, I mean, I, I have to say, I think it was so uncomfortable for me because I saw myself in some of the parts, and I was not proud of it. <laughs> you know, like some of the parts where she's talking about letting a guy go too far, farther than she really wants, or because of the social pressure or what's going to happen. I mean, I, that I've done that, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's not, it's not like, what's going to happen? It's going to be awkward. Is it that bad? Like, I've, I've done that. Yeah, and it's hard when there's a group, like, you're in a group of girlfriends, and maybe you're, like, the least experienced of the group, yeah. and they're like, oh, go talk to that boy, like, blah, 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 like, you know, all that. It's hard. Like, peer pressure is hard. Yeah. Um. I, all, I, I just also wanted to go back to her her roommate. Um, who was not a good friend either. Who was not a good friend. Saying, no. saying what did you expect when you invited him over. Um, and and just talk, I just wanted to talk about the idea of women as teases. 
Because I, I think she talks, she says that as like a word possibility in here somewhere. Like she just uses it in part of a sentence, but um, where she's talking about all the things women are called. I think it's, I, I do think it's really important. And, and that's a piece that even grown women, I feel like maybe don't always have, which is the confidence to say, I'm allowed to flirt with you and go as far with you as I want to go. And when I say stop, I'm not being a tease. I'm not being shitty. I haven't gotten myself into anything. I it's I'm allowed to stop anytime I want. Yeah. I don't know. I just I I I think that's been hard in my life. Yeah. I find. I I don't know. I think it's I I think it's a hard and what and like I I knew what it meant to be a tease when I was very young. Too young to have any real sexual yeah. knowledge yeah right i think everybody does yeah yeah it's like we're conditioned from a young it's like society just like boys know from a very young age like they're you know it's like the competition thing she talks about with sex but it's it's hard yeah well and before you know what sex is like before you're really sexualized at all I mean like before you before you feel sexual at all you know what that what that means right and it, yeah. it's like goes back to I know we've talked about this before like the boy bothering a girl on the playground and she comes over and says so and so's being mean to me and the answer is he just likes you yep 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 he's hitting me he just likes you yeah no no, no that's, that's, that not, maybe, that's not, not how you feel liking. <laughs> that may be how he is expressing it, but we need to talk to him about expressing it in a different way. Right. And I, and I think I think it's I think it's all of that. It's the flipping of everything. Like the woman is so drunk that she that she not I'm not saying this, sorry. I feel like the, usually the perspective is if it's Jane and John, Jane was so drunk, she doesn't even remember. So how could she, like, whatever, you know, how could she get that drunk? How could she let herself get that out of control when she knew she was with guys? How, whatever the thing is, which is victim blaming, blaming and terrible. But also mm-hmm. you, when you do that, besides just blaming the victim, I think not you, one misses the flip side, which is why is that, if that dude gets sexually aggressive when he's drunk, then he shouldn't be drinking. And why didn't that dude, if they were out, why didn't he say, like, hold on, like, may, like maybe we should both dial it back. Like, we, you know, and I think maybe she talks about it, or maybe it was something else I read this week. But, like, there has to be, uh, you have to look out for your friends. Yeah. You know? Be like, oh, that person doesn't look too well. Like, I'm just going to go check, you know? Yeah. Well, and I also think there's, I don't know, Jenny Rose, you will remember, because we're almost exactly the same age. I think Alyssa will. There was, there was like a whole campaign when HIV was rampant and there was no AZT yet and everything was going crazy. Um, there was a whole campaign around how to, rom- like, how to be romantic about grabbing a condom. Do you remember that? Yeah. 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 Like, because yep. everybody's like, yep. it's not romantic. It's so, it's, it kills the mood to go grab a condom. And now that's laughable, right, to us. Like, that's totally yeah. ridiculous. Why would you not grab a condom if you need one? Like, obviously, yeah. that's what you're going to do. So, but that took a lot of coaxing to get people and, and educating to get people to the point where they could, could say, okay, that's going to become part of my sexual process, right, is putting on a condom. And, like, maybe the same kind of campaign needs to be waged with, are you okay with this? Yeah. Do you still want to do this? Yeah. Because there are certainly ways to ask that several times during the process to make sure that everything's still okay. Yeah. And during. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that's just part of that education is, like, is building that into the sexual language for everybody. Yeah. Right, and I think what the other thing we wanted to mention is, like, cause, you know, this is like this is not only an individual issue; it's a societal issue. And how do you raise children, boys and girls, with all of this going on around them? You know, with like the example I was giving was um, 
I was raised Catholic every Sunday. My father took me to church, and we'd go, we'd go to church. We'd sit in the front pew because the former, former altar boy couldn't stray far from the front pew. But on the walk home from church, we would talk about we would talk about it. So I grew up with a fairly liberal view of everything. I grew up knowing that the story of Noah's Ark was a story. The story of Adam and Eve was a metaphor. Like, oh, like, this is how it was explained to me. That, like, this is, like, what they talk about in church is a story to help you understand the message, but it's a story. It didn't really happen that way. Like, So I didn't grow up with a dogmatic attitude towards religion or abortion or any of that, like, because it's not how I was raised. Like, I was given context to things. And we were saying, like, when it comes to young kids, like, maybe that's just what they need, they need to be given, like, constant context. Like, if you see, if you're, you know, watching something or you see something where, like, one woman says to another, like, oh, what did you expect? Like, that's a point where you interject and be like, that's not right. Like, like, there should be no expectations upon you and your body. You call the shots. Like, if you're done, you're done. If you're in the middle of it and you're not comfortable anymore, you're done. Yeah. Like, Alyssa, you've talked about, like, telling your boys, like, like if everybody's been having fun, it's not okay. Yeah. And I think we just need to, like, and I don't have kids. I would like to have them. But I think it's it's a contextual conversation of of pointing out things that are not okay and explaining to them why it's not okay and what would be okay, which is a lot of work. But if we want to change the way things are reflected or things are going forward, we have to put in the work. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. It is a lot of work, and it's definitely worth it. I was just going to ask if either of you have ever been on an accidental date. An accidental date? Yeah. Oh, like where you think yeah. the person's your friend and you're yeah. really on a date? Yeah. Oh. I don't think, not like a formal date. Like I feel like I've been hanging out with someone and he definitely thought that he was going to get some and I wasn't into it, but I've never been on an actual accidental date. Have you? Yeah. How does that go? Twice. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Maybe I'm just like oblivious. <laughs> <laughs> that I was just like going out with a friend and it was not. That. And then what? And then what happens? Like you just have an awkward conversation. Well, <laughs> like how do you know you're on a date? They try to kiss you. What happens? Yeah, that happened one time. Yeah, when I was at the movies with my friend, and then he tried to kiss me, and I was like, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> and then that was weird, and we weren't really friends after that. And then another time I went to a baseball game with somebody and thought that meant, like, we were going to have sex. Uh, uh. Not since high school have I, have I heard that analogy. Yeah. Well, now it's Netflix and chill, the interns at work told me. Okay. Um, well, in <laughs> high school, I didn't understand the... Netflix and chill? <laughs> Yeah, you've never heard that before? No. How much time do you really spend on Twitter, Alyssa? Uh, maybe I don't follow the same people. She's like, I thought we were in like a Netflix like a and chill. marketing campaign. By Netflix? Yeah. I watch it's Netflix. Like I've never thing. seen Netflix say it on Netflix when I turn it on. It's like... Okay. You continue to let me in your own world. <laughs> At least I didn't go on two dates I didn't know I was on. I had no idea. <laughs> Well, right, same thing. I don't know how to complete the analogy between me and Netflix and chill, but it's there. Well, I'm glad I shared those stories. <laughs> no, I am too. I don't, I like, do you think, is this like a common thing that people, that happens? I know other people have been on accidental Jenny dates. Rose, have you been on an accidental date? So, I mean, kind of with. Like, there was this guy in college who really, really liked me, and we talked about it, like, where I was like, dude, I just see you as a friend, like, and I continued to hang out with him because he said, no, 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 that's cool. 
Um, and I'm trying not to, like, victim blame my, uh, to, to justify my actions, but we had a conversation. I was like, I, I really don't like you like that. I would rather just be your friend. He was like, oh, okay. And then we were, like, hanging out watching a movie one night, um, and he tried to kiss me, and I was like, uh, dude, we talked about this. Um, because I have always been one to um, graciously say things in that way. And I guess he had thought, apparently it came out where he had thought, like, I didn't really mean that and that we were dating all along. It was really weird. So that so that's a weird, that's also, like, part of that game, that game idea of competitiveness yeah. and, like, whatever is that, like, it's a cat and mouse thing and no doesn't really mean no. It just means try yeah. harder. Yeah. Yeah, and I read, like, an internet comment the other day. It was a guy who was, like, um, it was one of those, like, how not to sexually harass women. And the, the comment, the guy was, like, hey, you know how, like, in the 40s and 50s when they said a girl was playing hard to get? They weren't, and women still don't do that. Yeah. So don't think she's trying to play hard to get. Right. <sighs> yeah, and, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what it is about a guy, you saying yes to hanging out with a guy that makes him think that you're dating him. I like, yeah, I mean, it literally I... didn't even cross my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I've been on a lot more accidental dates than I thought since I have a lot of guys. I don't know. Um, so the other conversation that that um, we wanted to, to talk about or have is um, Playboy has announced its first trans playmate. Um, and uh, her name is Inez Rao, um, first openly transgender person to be named a playmate. Um, and it got a lot of criticism on um, social media. So, I mean... One one thing was Jenna Jameson commenting on how people who are trans shouldn't be able to compete in athletics with people who were born that like I, it's just ridiculous. But besides her ridiculous reaction, <laughs> um, they Twitter answered back to people who had a negative reaction um, to having a trans woman. So we'll get to the the women who are who had a feminist and negative reaction to it, but. Saying things like, that's not a real woman, I don't want to see that, it's not fair that she, everything is surgically whatever, that's not her, okay. Um, uh, hold on. Right. <laughs> well, so let me, so we'll get, we'll talk about that too. Um, so, Twitter, I mean, excuse me, Playboy responded by tweeting out, um, letters to the editor from 1965 when they featured their first black playmate. Um, they put a quote from one, I don't need the fold-out in the March issue. There are too many Negroes at this university now. Um, and then, social, so that was letters to the editor in 1965. Social media reactions, 2017. I grew up with Playboy and the sexy playmates in the issue. I'd like to congratulate Playboy on officially cowering to political correctness. I won't resubscribe for this. Um, another one, integration has reached, from 65, integration has reached into schools, all forms of business, and now it seems to have taken over Playboy. Never did we expect this. Uh, and then again from 2017, this isn't what Playboy is about. It has and used to have pictures of women. I wouldn't want to read an article about horses in a fishing magazine either. Oh my God. <laughs> Uh, that reminds me of a quote from a really bad movie, but whatever. Okay, yeah. So, so, um, sorry. You were gonna you were gonna laugh and comment about the like people saying the plastic surgery. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Um, because none of the women in any Playboy issue have ever had any sort of cosmetic surgical enhancement. Now we're gonna complain that the surgical operation just happened to happen as part of their genitalia which you, also you can't tell me never happened before either are you kidding me yeah i yeah. also like the way they responded yeah with I, the, do uh, I like that yeah i do too um and they also had um caroline cossie who is the first 
openly transgender woman to be in Playboy magazine, not the Playmate of the Month, but in the in between um, the, the jacket of Playboy magazine, um, said that she felt that Hugh Hefner's decision to feature her in the 80s really changed people's idea of, of um, what it meant to be transgender and opened people's eyes to the fact um, that there was a difference between all, like someone who is a drag queen mm-hmm. versus is cross dresses versus is transgender that people didn't have any of those definitions then. Um, so people who weren't part of that community. Um, and the other thing, just a, just a fun tidbit that I learned in college is porn always is at least for the tech uh, wise, like, I'm talking about, like, VHS and DVDs and streaming, like, whatever porn takes off on, everybody else follows, so between accessible VHS tapes and then DVDs, and then porn was the one who started online streaming, or made online streaming popular, like, they tend to be kind of at the forefront of some of those things where it reaches a broader audience, and, like, I see what she's getting at based on that. Yeah. So, so the, so the feminist reaction was split, right? There were women who were really happy that, um, a trans woman was being featured. There were women who thought that, um, who were criticizing feminists for praising Playboy because they feel like it's not feminist to pose in Playboy no matter who you are. So I, I I don't know the answer, but I think that there are probably at least degrees of varying views between the three of us. So I thought it would be a good thing to talk about because I actually think, um, I don't think of Playboy, I guess it is porn. I don't think of it as porn, but like, but I, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to hear what you think, both of you. What do you think? I do not agree with you on this. Okay. This is the one thing that will prove we are, in fact, not the same person. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know. I guess I'm not a conservative person at all, but I guess I'm more conservative on this whole issue than some people. Okay. Like, I don't think any woman should be in. I don't, I don't think even if they're doing it because they say it, like, liberates them... Or they're doing it for whatever their own reasons are. Like, there are still people who objectify them no matter what. And I I don't. I don't like this. Okay. What about you, Jenny Rose? So I, um, I, I, I go on the fence about it. Because I completely agree with EB1, what she's saying, that I, well, let me go to my, so the other side first. I the just want to clarify, is, I'm not against it because she's trans. No, 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 you're, uh, pornography as a whole is what you're saying. I, like, the magazine as a whole is what you yes. And my thing is that uh, as long as a woman is doing it of her own will and there's no coercion and all that, I get it. Like, it's freedom of expression. Like, it's this is your thing, I'm all for you. You know, I'm, I applaud them doing this for inclusivity. You know, and they might not be into it because they think of themselves as an object or all that. Like, they just might, I don't know, maybe we're super proud of their body, whatever. That's, I think they have, I think this falls under the whole choice feminism. Like, they have the choice to do that if, as long as they're choosing openly. But I do see EB1's point where, Regardless of your intentions are the best, if you're doing this to empower yourself and empower others and, and destigmatize nudity and all that, like, regardless of what you're doing, there's still going to be the consequence where, where people are going to objectify you and objectify women. So I always go, like, go, like, one toe in one side, one toe in the other side. Like, it's, it's... I do, like, cognitive, like, somersaults in my yeah. brain um, because I will, will I, I tend to enjoy some, some form of this medium at other points or 
at some points in my life. But I also recognize why it's bad. I don't, it's hard. So I guess I'm the middle one. No, I, I mean, I, no, I mean, I, I, I get what you're saying. I think it's hard. I think it's difficult too. I, I mean, this picture I'm looking at of this, of this woman right now, um, she's in, looks like she's in a Victoria's Secret ad. I mean, she's in a bra and a thong. I guess in a Victoria's uh-huh. Secret ad, she'd have to cover both cheeks. I don't really know. But, like, she could be on the beach in Miami, in, like, South Beach. Someone would be wearing that. Um, it's not, she's not full frontal. She's not totally nude. Like, th- this particular picture I'm looking at, I don't know the difference. I think objectification is a really interesting thing to talk about because um, I, I am a feminist, but I clearly objectify myself, right? Like I put on makeup and it's not because I'm looking in the mirror all day and I like the way I look in makeup. It's because I want to look nice to other people. And like I put on heels and I wear a push-up bra and I wear a dress when I'm going somewhere nice or going out with my husband or a guy that I dated, you know, like in high school or college or whatever, whomever. Like I dressed up and I objectified myself but is that but is there a difference between see i do that too and i do it because when i do all those things i feel good about myself but why why do you feel good good. about yourself but why because i like the way i look but why do you like the way you look a woman in africa who lives in like a tribal somewhere doesn't think that the way do you know what I mean? Like, she wouldn't put on the same things to like the way she looks. The reason we like the way we look in a certain outfit is because society tells us that looks good. Eh, I don't know if I agree with that 100%. I mean, there, I mean, sometimes I feel comfortable and there are things, like, I don't know. I think you can get into mental gymnastics about that. And I think sometimes it goes, it goes too deep. Like, it, like, I always like to think, like, Am I comfortable? Am I happy? Like, and that's what matters to me. And I don't know that that's objectifying myself. Like, I went to an all-girls high school. I put makeup on every day. It had nothing to do with impressing anyone else. It had to do with the fact that I felt like I woke up and I had my routine and I was ready for the day. Like, and I didn't grow up in a house where maybe the women I'm, well, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm weaker than you, but I definitely want to look good to women too, not just men. Well, and that's fine. I mean, not, I sex- not necessarily sexually good, but, like, I mean, I'm just being totally honest. If I, makeup is, I wear it. I'm not, I'm not against makeup. I'm not against high heels. I love them. I, I love how my legs look when, look when I'm wearing them. But the reason I care about how my legs look and why my legs look a certain way is because society tells me that they're supposed to look a certain way and models look a certain way, and that's what I'm supposed to look like. If I lived... A long time ago when it was more attractive to be, you know, it, it showed how wealthy you were if you were heavier and you had, then I'd care about that. Like that, I can't, I can't, I'm just saying I personally can't pretend that when I dress up or do anything, wear fashionable clothes, any of that stuff, I'm doing it so I look, the reason I personally feel comfortable when I'm like that is because I know it's how I'm supposed to look. Oh, I mean... Okay, I don't know. I don't... We're probably going to learn about that all night. I... I'm not the one to typically follow fashion trends. I just know what I like. Because I've spent years trying to find what I like. But I, I see your point. I see your point. My my point is, I don't think we can say everyone is like that. Because then, we're essentially saying that women who want to put time into their appearance are objectifying themselves. Like, they're just putting time like you're it's not anti-feminist to look nice you know what I mean it's also not anti it's not anti-feminist to not look nice it's whatever you want to look you know no I'm not saying it's anti-feminist I'm saying I am a feminist but I still feel that I feel that objectification is a slippery slope so like saying that saying that this is objectifying women because she's naked and she looks good in in a thong and a bra that that's just one more step away from I look good in heels and a, and a, and makeup is I guess what I'm right. saying. So I don't. So let me clarify. When I say that some things could objectify women, I think Playboy is one of the more benign uh-huh. as it comes to that. 
Um, I think there, and I think that's the widely accepted principle that Playboy is pretty benign. Like Playboy doesn't show, they show, do they show full news in Playboy? I don't even know. I know they don't really focus on like a woman's like vagina and labia, like the, like the reproductive parts. They Mm -hmm. focus on more like the boobs and the ass. Mm -hmm. Um, so I see, and Playboy does have good articles from time to time, like, okay. you know, maybe once every decade or something. But when you start talking about Hustler and Penthouse, that's when I think you get into where you have women put into a position of basically, like, there's sex toys in play, and then you have certain pornographic films where women are put in submissive roles and all that. So I think that's where you get into objectification with women just as sex objects, mm-hmm. where maybe I don't necessarily think Playboy is at the forefront of that, but there are other things that are where women are objects. Like, we talked about the article where the people had the, the, the sex dolls, like that sort mm-hmm. of thing. That's where you get, you get there. So... No, I, I guess, I yeah, I see what you're saying. I guess I'm saying that I don't know that it's fair to characterize this particular thing as objectification because everyone, as we just, I guess what I was trying to demonstrate is that we each have our own personal line of what objectification means. Just the three of us. Yeah. Like, you have a definition of objectification. Alyssa does. I do. We all three have different yeah. things. So, like, the people who are, the people who are online criticizing it, I guess, was, was where I was going with it. They, their line is here. Whereas, our, so I guess my thing was, like, should we, should we really criticize it when we all have different lines anyway, kind of? No, I don't know. That's why I say I'm in a gray area where yeah. I'm like, I'm not, I mean, I think it's good that they're, that they're including a trans woman. I think that's good. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be one of the people railing against it on Twitter. No, I know you About, wouldn't. like, because no, I, I generally don't rail against things on Twitter unless they're Donald mm, Trump. Or Paul Ryan. Or Paul Ryan. But, um... <laughs> I, you know, I think it's good. Like, that's nice. As, yeah. as I say on Facebook a lot, this is nice. Yeah. You know, yeah. like. Yeah. No, I just think it's interesting because I had a feeling we'd all have different lines of what objectification meant. Like, I had a feeling we'd all have different definitions. And how did it come out that I'm the most conservative one on this podcast right now? Well, I'm usually the most conservative economically. So there you go. You have your thing now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I keep thinking about when I... I went to Las Vegas for someone's bachelorette party, and we uh. went, we went to um one of whatever the heck it's called the the Thunder Down Under. Yeah, it wasn't that one, but it was something similar, <laughs> and it was that like disgusted me. Yeah, I refused to go. We I went for a bachelorette party once, and they wanted to do that, and I was like, you guys can go, I'm not going. They, I'm you there. Is it men stripping? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And all these women were just, like, yelling, and it was they were all into it, and it was like a show. Yeah, but who would want to see a man naked? They're so gross. I'd much rather see female strippers. That's not the point. <laughs> it's, the point is, theirs was like a show where they were all, like, I don't know. It. I've never been to a strip club, but from like what I've seen portrayed in pop culture, it's not like that when it's a woman. No. And it's like usually a man who is running the show and all these men are like ogling this woman, yelling stuff at her, and this was like more... Of an entertainment thing. And but they, yeah. And I was, I don't know. It was like that, that, per, that would never translate to the way women are objectified when they are stripping. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I just feel like the same way with this, like it's not the, if it were a man. And, like, a magazine full of men, it's not treated the same way as magazines full of women. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to stand by the, again, that 
naked man is for one thing, and it's not looking at. Well, but are they? Na- I don't know that they're naked in the thun- in Thunder Down Under. I think they're like they've got like a like are a thong on. It's like Magic Mike. Magic Mike, they're not naked. They weren't naked. They came pretty close. There's one part yeah. where they like took everything off, and you can like see shadows. Banana hammock. Oh, everything all the way. There's like one second yeah. where you can see like a shadow. What? <laughs> but I was just like, I don't know. I was sitting there and I was just like, everyone was going nuts, and I was like, I don't belong here at all. <laughs> this is not. I was like, I'm so uncomfortable. Yeah. So I got. Yeah. I think and like they all pose at the end, like you can go up with your group and take pictures with them. Yeah. And it's. That's objectification. <laughs> no, but it's I, like yeah. it's more like a play than it is. Here's a woman on a pole. Let's stuff dollar bills in her bra. There's there are male strip clubs like that though, where you can where you can put money in and stuff. They are there are. Okay, well I'm. I know what you're saying. It's I'm obviously many many more women strip club. I mean like than men's I know what you're saying and I think and I that's what I'm saying I think it's an interesting conversation to have as feminists is like Jenny Rose said before it is about choosing your role but it's also interesting to talk about things in the abstract like this like what is to three different women who agree on many 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 things this is something that's really personal and has different lines for everybody I just think it's interesting well what is your perspective mine yeah. On this? Oh, I, I yeah. mean, I, yeah, I'm fine with it. I think women have agency and she chose to yeah. do this. And as long as they're paying her a fair wage, I'm cool with it. Yeah. <laughs> and as long as, yeah, no, that's, that's, I mean, as long as no one's using their power to sexually assault her, as long as no, you know, all those things, yeah. if she's, if she's happy and, and doing what she wants to do, then I'm fine with it. And I, you know, I don't know, models, all, all these people, I mean, like they, I mean, sometimes models, like are objects with their hands over their mouths yeah. and like, you know, yep. and I, I don't know. I mean, it, there's a fine line too between what they see as their art, as their personal art. And, and I don't know. I just, I just went to see a play last weekend in New York that had tons of nudity and really weird avant-garde stuff. And nobody would say that the women were being objectified for being in it because it's art. Yeah. No, but that's I mean, that's, that's, yeah. That, I don't know. I think that would be different. I think, yeah, you, them posing in a magazine. Yeah. I mean, in a strip club, maybe. But I don't. I mean, yeah, but nobody are. I don't think people look at Playboy and they're like, "Oh, this is art." No, but she might. It might be art to her. Being modeling, yeah, no, modeling might be art to her. I don't mean to the photo. I don't mean the photographer's creation necessarily. Yeah, but it might be. It might be art to her. I mean, I don't want to get too. Graphic, but like I think there's just as good a chance as some dude at that play I was at the other night went home and jerked off to one of those naked girls as there is that someone's jerking off to this woman in Playboy. I'm nodding my head. <laughs> uh, so are those guys who are jerking off? Joke of the day. I mean, but that's the thing. Like that's where I that's where I hesitate. Where because I think like. We should support body autonomy, and I do think these women, as you said, have their own agency. And I, I feel that way beyond just Playboy or porn. I also feel that way about prostitution. But I know that gets into other, like that's a rabbit hole where a lot of women in prostitution are victims of abuse and victims of both. So I, I understand. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot more. There's there's a lot more for lack of a better word, baggage that goes along with that. But No, but I think you're I right that it's all part of the same slippery slope. I think you're right about that. And so I yeah. that I understand why I understand how why you and I well, I understand why I think the way I do and you you and I seem to yeah. think similarly about it. Like so I understand why we think that way. But I also do understand why Alyssa thinks the way she does because it yeah. is one slippery slope down to that. Yeah, no, I totally I totally get it. And I and I I hear and I understand the perspective and I get why you have it. Yeah. No, I think it's good. Okay. Well, I really like this conversation. Thanks for having it. (laughs)
No judgment. No judgment. <laughs> no judgment. We're no judgment. having open and honest conversations. No judgment. No, but I do. Right. No judgment. And I think it's important yeah. for us to like talk about the news and argue about things like that. But I think it's also important for us to not forget about the fundamentals of feminism and how we see it differently and how we see life differently and to argue about these things. Not argue. Discuss. Next up, we'll talk about what happens when you get married and changing your name. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, well, I did change my name. So there, I'm the most conservative there. Um, I... Yeah. Okay, so uh, we have some upcoming events. Um, chapter meeting on November 8th, Gaithersburg Library, 730 um, that'll be a good one. I'm missing it, but I hope you guys have fun. Um, the 15th of November, we have Trivia Night. Um, yay! You can buy tickets online now, um, through Eventbrite, and, um, that's gonna be really fun, and it's gonna be, um, in downtown Silver Spring at Denison's, and we're really excited to have it there. So we hope everybody will, um, come out. Just looking way far ahead, um, December 3rd is our next panel. Um, the next one of our core issues that we will be um, covering is repro justice. And we have some great panelists coming out for that. So hopefully we'll see you then. Um, if you want to find out about our events or if you want to buy tickets to our um Trivia night, you can do so. Yeah, you can. You can buy tickets to our trivia night on Facebook or Eventbrite. Um, if you go to our Facebook page, which is MCMD now, same for Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can buy tickets straight through fa Facebook. We also send out a link to buy tickets in our feminist calendar emails. So if you go to our website, which is mcmdnow.org, you can sign up for our newsletter, our feminist calendar. Um, you'll see all of our upcoming events, and we'll be posting the link to get tickets to the Reproductive Justice uh, panel sometime soon. Oh, so, hey, so the one other thing I wanted to mention is, um, so we're recording this on October 26th, and I saw something um, that the Washington Post shared today, and I think I shared it on Facebook, and we'll share it on Twitter or however we share things. But October 26th is the day American women start working for free for the rest of the year uh, because of the, the gender pay gap. So um, when we were discussing this today, we were like, oh, I guess we're taking the rest of the day off. <laughs> yeah, and, and keep in mind, everybody, that that's the, that's the average American woman. Yeah. If you're a black yeah. woman, Latina woman, Asian woman, um, you work, it, it's, it's even worse. Yeah, I'm sure they've been working for free for a while. Yeah, yeah. I think since uh, July. Um, that doesn't make me motivated. I know. Who's our Woman of the Week this week? All right, this week's Woman of the Week is Ilhan Omar, who currently serves as a legislator in the Minnesota House of Representatives. She's the first Muslim woman and first Somali-American legislator in the United States. When she was about eight years old, her family fled Somalia during the country's civil war. She spent four years with her family in a refugee camp in Kenya. They ended up immigrating to the U.S. when she was 12. Um, and she became interested in politics uh, within a few years after that, after seeing racial, economic, and religious inequality upon their arrival here in the United States. She was the Director of Policy at Women Organizing Women Network in Minnesota, which aims to empower all women, specifically first and second generation immigrants, to become engaged citizens and community leaders. She ran for a seat in Minnesota's House of Representatives in 2016 and beat a 22-term incumbent in the primaries, which is a whole lot of time in, yeah. in the House of Representatives. Uh, she won the general election in November at age 34 by nearly 80%. And her victory was a bright spot in an otherwise horrible night for our country. 
She represents parts of Minneapolis and legislates with the progressive agenda. Uh, she said, quote, my election win offers a counter narrative to the bigotry in the world. This is a land of immigrants and most come here for opportunity, a second chance. It's our time to fight for the America we know we can have. And of her candidacy, she also said, quote, to believe in the possibility that all of my identities and otherness would face, fade into the background and that my voice as a strong progressive would emerge if I was bold and believed in that, that made a huge difference for me. So she's doing good things in Minnesota, uh, representing the Minneapolis area, and maybe she's one to look out for down the road in national politics. Well, I wonder if she uh, went down in the center of town and threw a beret off her head when she won. <laughs> I don't know. I get that reference. <laughs> Good job, Jenny Rose. Great work. That would be awesome. I, I told you, I wanted to watch Selma and Louise uh, last night, but I got overruled. Well, once you live here again, we'll have a movie night. Yay! Uh, all right, well, thanks for listening to us discuss and debate. More to come next week. Bye. Bye.